This morning, children, if you'd like to draw a picture as your offering to God, please draw a picture of you with all of your friends. So grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. So growing up, I was just like so many other children. Recess was one of my favorite times during school. But with recess, such a great time also came what sometimes was a rather dreaded time. Because as you got ready for recess, you ran out there, you got to the blacktop as quick as you could, it was time to pick teams. We love, play, we love to play kickball, and we play every time at recess, but somehow there always ended up being those two people. They always designated themselves who got to be the team captains. And then the rest of us just stood there on the blacktop waiting. Now, yes, a couple people tried to hide behind other people, not to be seen. But most of us stood there with eager eyes and big old smiles, even waving and shouting, saying, pick me, pick me. And as we st stood there shouting those things, we also heard the team captains as they started to talk with their slowly picked teams. They'd say, should we pick him? Well, no, what about her? Well, no, he's faster. What about her? See, recess, as fun as it could be, also sometimes became quite a dreaded experience because the question was, would you be picked first, be picked somewhere in the middle, or maybe by default, be picked last? But you see, my focus here this morning as we meditate on Scripture, on God's Word for us, is not to bring up any bad memories that you may have from your childhood. Rather, I'm here to tell you that you are chosen. Our scripture reading from 1 Peter chapter 2 says that you are a chosen race, a holy nation, a royal priesthood. You are chosen, meaning that God has picked you. God has chosen you. He's seen you. He's noticed you, and he wants you. He has chosen you, and you are chosen, and you are made holy, meaning that you are set apart, that you are set apart from the rest, set apart to do something great, to be something different. And you are a royal priesthood, meaning you are royal, royal meaning that you are far above the rest. You are not just average, that you are special. And you're a priesthood, meaning that you're part of something. You are one among the many who are grouped together, who together you are the royal priesthood. You are chosen, you are holy, and you are a royal priesthood. All because of what God has done for you. And I know that we've spoken about it so directly in the last couple of weeks. And quite honestly, we talk about it every single week because it's core to what we believe, to who we are. But we talk about how God sent his one and only son into this world. How God, who is perfect, came into this world, into the flesh. Who came and surrounded himself by the imperfect the imperfect followers, the imperfect critics, and those people who did more than just criti criticize him, but even crucified him, killing him on a cross and leaving him to, there to hang and die and then just to bury him in a tomb and lay him there. But because God is perfect, he didn't stay there. God rose from the dead. Three days later, he rose from the dead, and now he's ascended into heaven where there he sits at the right hand of God. That is what God has done for you. That is how you have become chosen and holy and a royal priesthood. And yet, as many times as we may hear these words, as many times as you may hear what God has done for you, you may still wonder why. 
Or when you talk to others and you try to tell others that they too are chosen and precious to God, they may say, well, why? Because when we look at ourselves, we realize that we don't deserve to be picked. We're not the best, the strongest, the fastest. We are not the greatest that there are. Because quite honestly, if we look at ourselves and we truly evaluate who we are, we are the worst. Because of the sin that we have in our lives. Because of the sin that we wage war on every single day. Because we also hear from our reading in 1 Peter chapter 2 that we wage a war on sin every day. Waging a war on sin. Now when I say waging a war on sin, some of you may instantly think about those who struggle with addictions. Our loved ones who battle with addiction day after day. And whether that be an addiction to drugs or alcohol, to pornography or gambling, or anything else that plagues our loved ones every single day. Those people that we love and we care about so deeply, and yet every day they battle with that temptation to sin. Every day they battle with that war against sin that is truly a war because there is heartache, there is struggle, and yes, even sometimes there is failure. But when I say that we wage a war on sin, I'm talking about all of us. Even those of us who don't struggle with an addiction. Because every day we wage a war against the passions of the flesh. Peter says in his, letters to, in his letter today, the passions of the flesh wage a war against us. And so maybe this morning it was the temptation to lie. And then later on today, it's the temptation to think an evil thought in your heart, in your mind. And then later on, even after that, it's to take something that's truly not your own. And after that, and after that, and after that, it goes on and on and on. With the temptations that we face every single day, the battles that we face, the war that we wage against the passions of this flesh day after day. And to make matters even worse, we realize that we are not the strongest or the wisest either when it comes to facing that war. Because we think that we can do it on our own. That by our own way, we'll overcome. That on our own, we'll have enough strength, enough power, enough courage to overcome that temptation. And certainly, we don't need anybody else to help us. Certainly, we don't need God. And yet, when we try to do it on our own, we realize that we fail. And we realize that the, the words that Scripture has to describe us, our sinful nature and that we are and that we have inside of us is all too accurate. Just like the words from Titus. We ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. Rather difficult words to hear, but rather difficult words that are all too often descriptive of what we've done or who we act to be at times. And so we go back to that question, the age-old question that we ask so often, that even the littlest ones ask, is why? So why has God done this? Why am I chosen? Why am I set apart? Why am I a royal priesthood, part of that royal priesthood, if I have so much sin inside of me? Why has God done all of that for me? The answer? So that you may proclaim his excellencies. 
so that you might proclaim the great and wonderful deeds of God, to tell other people about God, to give him the praise and glory, to give him the honor, and so that other people can hear you, hear you praising God, and so that they too may hear, so that they too may believe. And so today I tell you, go. Go proclaim it. Preach it to all the people so that they can hear. Tell people about how you struggle with sin every single day. About how on your own you falter and you fail far too often. But then also tell them about the hope and the comfort and the strength that you have to know that God is with you. That God forgives you. That God picks you back up again. And he tells you again that you are still chosen. You are still holy. You are part of my royal priesthood. So proclaim it. Proclaim it to other people, maybe by telling your own story. You see, my story starts a little bit like this. I was baptized as an infant, just a month old. I had no clue what was going on. And I was raised in the church from the beginning of my days. And every single week as I grew up, I went to church. We went to worship. We went to Bible study. That's just what we did. And yet, even as I grew and I got older, I still faced all the same challenges and the temptations that my peers faced in the public school that I attended. But as I got older, I realized that when I got, got to go to church every single week, I got to hear the pastor stand up there and tell me that I was forgiven. That every single week, I got to be renewed and strengthened and encouraged to keep going, to trust in God more, to trust in Him, to give me the confidence, the ability to do better and to keep living for Him. And that's just a part of my story. And it's my story. You all have your own stories. Your own stories to share of how God has worked in you and through you so that you can share it with other people. And proclaim it by telling your story. Or maybe proclaim God and his great excellencies by going on a mission trip. See, today, I'm gonna, very shortly, I'm going to invite forward two different groups from our congregation. All St. Paul's members, brothers and sisters in Christ. Brothers and sisters who, just like you, are chosen and holy, holy and royal. And they're going to be sent out. We're going to commission them here today and pray over them so that they can go out into different parts of this country to tell of God's great deeds. Some of them are going to be going to Ysleta, the Texas-Mexico border area. Some of them are going to be going all the way up to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. They're probably going to be doing some different things where they are, some building houses and some maybe offering some services to people who are in need. But both of them are going to have the opportunity to tell people about God, to tell people about God, what he's done for them. And maybe they won't tell it deliberately, but maybe they'll just show it by the selfless acts that they do, by the things that they do for those communities and for those people. And yet some of you may be sitting there right now, and you might be thinking, I'm never going on a mission trip. Lack of sleep, not for me. Being with people that I'm not really sure about, not for me. Traveling somewhere where it's totally new and totally different, maybe it's not for you. And then there's the other group of you who might be saying, telling someone my story, that's not for me either. I don't really like to talk in front of people who I'm comfortable with, let alone share something that's personal to me. Here's the good news. Even if you don't feel like you can do one of those things, you can still, and you should, always proclaim his great and excellent deeds, even through your conduct. Through the way that you carry yourself every single day. First Peter or chapter 2 says it today, keep your conduct honorable so that others may glorify God. And maybe that's as simple as just smiling and waving to your neighbor. You know that neighbor who's two doors down and they don't often say hi to you or really talk to you much, but just every day you smile and wave. 
Or maybe it's just saying please and thank you and being very kind with someone. Telling them thank you like the server who took care of you at the restaurant last week. Or maybe it's a mom or a dad. Or maybe even it's the telemarketer who called you the other night. Keeping your conduct honorable in all that you do and say in the so many different ways, the ways that we could go on and on with here today because there's so many ways that you can glorify God, that you can show others that you are chosen, that you are holy, that you are part of his royal priesthood. So go, literally, as you go away from here today, go proclaiming God's great and excellent deeds. Proclaim that you are chosen, that you are holy, that you are royal because of him so that others may believe. So that others, too, may know that they also are chosen and holy and royal. So that others, too, may proclaim his great and excellent deeds. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.